church. And so um, those, uh, the, the senior ministry is right after service and the men's conference registration is right after service. So those are the two most urgent things that uh, we want you to respond to. At the end of our service today, when I finish um, just sharing the word with you, once a month we receive uh, uh, our Heart for the House offering, uh, which we as a family just committed together to do. And so I want you, if you weren't aware of that, just to be begin already just asking the Lord what part of your offering uh, for the year uh, that you're going to give today. And we're going to do that at the very end of service, uh, just before those two meetings. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the word. Are you ready for the word? Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and we'll begin in uh, verse number 10. Very excited uh, to share with you. And it's great to see Pastor Kathy back in the house. I know uh, it's always good to see you, Pastor Kathy. You're looking fly with them shoes. Bishop is uh, preaching and doing some things with our network, and so just keep him in prayer today and tomorrow. He's got a very busy uh, schedule in South Carolina, but it's great to have Pastor Kathy home. We're praying for you guys while you're away, and we love you so much. Luke chapter 8, verse number 10, Jesus said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables. And then uh, he had just shared a parable. And then Jesus says this as explanation of the parable. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Just say that with me. Say the seed is the word. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those, when they have heard, go out and are choked by cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. I'm going to talk to you this morning for a few minutes on this subject, uh, rooted lives in a thorny world, living rooted lives in a thorny world. Lord, we ask you to speak to us in these next few minutes. We open our hearts to you, and we thank you for what you're doing and what you're saying to us as the Gate Church. And we ask you to give us ears to hear what you're saying today in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. This parable is recorded in all three of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in uh, the other Gospels, the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says to his disciples, if you don't understand this parable, you will not be able to understand any of the parables. And then he says to you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. I would like for you to personalize that statement from Jesus and just make sure that you know in your heart that Jesus said to you, look at your neighbor and say to you, To you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. How many of you know that the mysteries of the kingdom are not something that God is trying to keep from us or hide from us? They're things that God is trying to give to us. And so when we kind of contemplate the parables and the stories of Jesus, we begin to understand that this parable in particular is uh, very significant. It's very uh, revelatory. And Jesus takes the time to explain the parable to us. So there are some things in the Bible that Jesus doesn't take the time to explain. And then there are some things that he takes the time to explain. And in this one, he explains it. And I want you to just let this phrase just sink into your heart. And I hope that this phrase just stays with you all week long. But when Jesus explains the parable, he says this, he says, the seed is the word. The seed is the word of God. Now, I think we could take the next several weeks, several months, the rest of the year and unpack that statement that the seed is the word. 
But I want you to think about the parable with me, and I want to point out a couple of things about the story that Jesus tells. He says, a farmer went out sowing seed. And now we know that the seed is the word. And I want you to notice that when the farmer goes out sowing the seed, he sows the seed lavishly. The farmer is not uh, being uh, selective with where he sows the seed. He's sowing it on the rocky path. He's sowing it in the thorns. He's sowing it in the good soil, and he's sowing it on the sidewalk. This is a picture of what God is like, and Jesus is trying to get us to understand that God is withholding nothing from us. That God is lavishly and indiscriminately sowing his word into our lives. And so the first thing that we understand is that the farmer doesn't have a limited amount of seed. This isn't just a normal farmer who has four bags of seed and he knows if I throw all this seed out, I'll run out of seed. But we have a God who has an unlimited supply of word to provide to us. That's why it troubles me when people who've been walking with God for a long time come to the conclusion that they've learned everything about God that they could possibly learn. They come to the conclusion that they know the, the, the essential doctrines or the fundamental truths or what it is that they might need to think that they know about God and they forget that God is infinitely unknowable and he's continually revealing himself to us the seed is the word and the farmer is always sowing the seed the bible says that god lavishes his love on us god doesn't withhold his love god doesn't withhold his word and he's continually pouring it out you say how is god i don't feel like god's speaking to me i don't uh, necessarily i'm not one of those people who wake up every morning and while i'm brushing my teeth feel like god told me to do this or to do that well let me let me share a few ways with you that god is sowing seed into your life the bible says that god is speaking to us through creation Every morning when you wake up and watch the sunrise, if you wake up and watch the sunrise, if you don't wake up and watch the sunrise, then you can watch the sunset. But every morning when you do that, you have an opportunity to hear God speaking to you. Every, every day when you see a tree blowing in the wind, when you see flowers in your garden, when you see something beautiful, you're seeing God speak to you. The Bible says that creation itself reveals to us and tells us what God is like. You don't have to have a prophetic word. You just need to get out and let the wind blow through your hair and notice the beauty of creation. And through that, you'll see God sharing his beauty with you. In creation, God speaks to us. In scripture, God speaks to us. Through the preaching of the word, God speaks to us. Through our friends and our our family members, through people who walk with Christ with us, through children, the Bible says, God will reveal mysteries to you. If you need help learning how to hear the voice of God, pay a little bit more attention to your kindergartner and you might begin to learn something about God because God shows up in unexpected places and through through unexpected people, but if you will open your eyes and open your ears, you'll find out that the farmer is continually sowing seed into your life. The Bible says in one passage passage that there was a famine of the word of God in that time. In other words, there was a time when the word of God was rare. But I want to tell you that in and through Jesus Christ, we have come into a time where God in previous times spoke to us through the fathers and the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son, the final word, the ultimate word everything that God has to say has been said and is being said through Jesus Christ if we want to know what God has to say we need to look no further than to Jesus if we want to know what God is like we need to look no further than to Jesus God has ultimately and finally spoken to us through the person of his son 
God hasn't just spoken to us through the historical person of his son that lived and breathed 2,000 years ago, but God is continually speaking to us through the resurrected Christ. You have a living Christ. You have a Christ who's on the throne. You don't have a Christ that's absent. You have a Christ that's present, and God is still speaking to us through his son. The seed is the word, and ladies and gentlemen, I want to announce to you today, there's plenty of seed to go around the first thing that I want you to notice is that the seed is lavishly and indiscriminately sowed and 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 God is continually sowing seed and speaking word into your life the second thing I want you to notice is is that if the word is a seed that a seed is always a seed is always exponentially multiplying itself. A seed, the thing about a seed is that a seed never doesn't exponentially multiply. And so if I had an apple seed, if I'd have chopped open an apple and got an apple seed out, and I would have said to you, this is an apple seed, then conventional thinking would say, well, one apple seed, if it reproduces itself, it will produce an apple. So if I get an apple seed, then I have the potential to get an apple. But that's not how seeds work. If you get an apple seed, you don't have the potential to get another apple. You have the potential to get an apple tree. Y'all didn't get that. (laughs) I said, if you have an apple seed, you don't have the potential to get another apple. If you get an apple seed, you have the potential to get an apple tree. And an apple tree will produce hundreds of apples, which have tens of seeds, which have more apple trees in them. And that's why God, with one word, which is a seed, can reverse and transform and multiply and bless and Continually, with one word from God is all you need to turn everything around. You don't need nine words. You just need a seed that can become a tree that'll produce another apple, that'll produce another tree. And God is saying, I'm lavishing my multiplying word over you, my people. You ought... You ought to be grateful to be a part. That's why it's important that you come to church. It's not important that you come to church so that you can feel good about your relationship with God and sense that you have accomplished some religious duty. The reason that it's important to come to church, the reason that it's important to come and receive the preached word of God is because when preaching is done well, preaching is the articulation of what God is saying in a particular moment. Preaching is not just Bible lessons and story time. Preaching is supposed to be, it's intended to be the human's best, uh, best ability. It's our, it's our surrendered effort to say, God, feeble as we are, clay as we are, take these clay lips, take this insufficient mind and give articulation to what it is that you are saying to your people in a particular moment, in a particular place. And we When you come up into a congregation and you sit up in the presence of God in worship, you are preparing yourself to receive the seed of God's word that has multiplying potential in your life. That's why I come to church. I come to church because in coming to church and receiving that, there is is not just the idea, but there is the real present possibility and promise of my life being transformed. The seed is the word of God. I was just meditating on that. The seed is the word. And so what that tells me is that the apple seed actually contains the life and the energy of everything it takes to produce apples forever, always, anywhere. So when I'm holding in my hand an apple seed, 
I'm actually holding the life and the energy that can, through a metamorphosis process, actually turn into an apple. Now, I don't know if you've ever eaten an apple seed. I've eaten an apple seed before. I did it on accident. Didn't do it on purpose. But it did not taste very good. It was bitter. Most seeds are bitter if you eat them as a seed. And that's what happens to Christians when they try to get people to consume their lives in a premature state, is that you're not really fully developed and you haven't come into the sweetness of your maturity. So what you need to do is relax in the soil and take your time. If you're still in seed form, don't get in a hurry and follow the customs of your culture that says, I've got to get there fast, but learn how to be live a hidden life that's buried up under the soil until you come to fruitfulness and maturity so that you can blossom into something that's sweet and beautiful for people to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so, and so the, 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 the word of God, look at this with me in Hebrews chapter four. They'll throw that on the screen for you. Hebrews chapter four and verse number 12. It says, the word of God is alive and powerful. Now remember, the seed is the word. The word of God is alive and powerful. That word alive is the Greek word zeo, zeo. It's from the Greek word zoe. And that means the, the, the God kind of life. It means the, 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 the life, that the quality of life that only God possesses. Now, the good news of the gospel is that because of Jesus, we get to partake of the God kind of life. See, when your mother gave birth to you, you received biological life. But when the Holy Spirit gave birth to you, you received Zoe life. Y'all didn't get that. I said, when your mother gave birth to you, you got biological life. Your heart was beating and your brain was working and your lungs were, were aspirating. But when the Holy Spirit gave birth to you, you were born again and you didn't get more biological life. You got Zoe life. And then the second word is the word energes, which just simply means energy. And we translate that word a lot in our Bibles, work. That the word of God is alive and powerful, this translation says. But watch this. Here's what the Bible's trying to tell us. That in God's word, God's life and energy are contained in God's word. And this makes more sense when we think about the fact that Jesus said, the seed is the word. So just like the apple seed has the life and the energy of an apple tree in it, the word that God says, whatever God is saying contains in itself the very life and energy of God. Now, I got a whole lot more excited about that when I realized that this week. But I want to make sure that you understand that that means as a child of God who has communion with God, we have continual possibility to open our soul so that the life and the energy of God can be deposited and released in our lives. And so when we hear what God is saying, we're not just getting better information for our lives. When we hear what God is saying, we're not just getting better information for our lives. When we hear what God is saying, we're receiving the life and the energy of God. I don't know about you, but I, I could use a little bit more of God's life and God's energy in my life. I, I would love to be a person who uh, is more like Jesus. And you know what made Jesus distinctive? Is that Jesus was buzzing with the life and the energy of God. Jesus had so much of God's life and energy that every time he ran into people who were deficient of life and energy, then the life and energy of God got off of Jesus and got onto them. So a woman who was bent over for 18 years in the temple with one word from God straightened herself up. Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Why? Because the life and energy of God entered into her. 
See, I believe that God has called each and every one of us to be carriers of God's life and energy. When you walk into your office place, when you walk into the place that you go every day, God is depending on you to carry his life and his energy everywhere you go so that when people are deficient, you can always say, I have an abundant supply. But in order to do that, we have to learn how to facilitate and steward the seed of God's word that is continually being sown into our lives. James chapter 1 and verse number 21 says, If you receive with meekness the implanted word, it is able to save your soul. It's able to save your soul. Now, I need to help make sure that we understand what this text is actually saying because a lot of people feel like that getting saved is something that they did on a date in time and they're finished with that now. And I just want to tell you again, this might mess with your theology, but I'm thrilled that you got saved, but have you ever thought about getting saved again? I'm just messing with certain people. I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you got born again in 1982, but have you ever been born again again? Now, brother, are you saying that we can? Well, no, what I'm saying is that, here's what I'm saying. Let me just tell you what I'm saying so you don't assume what I'm not saying, but here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that salvation is present tense. Salvation is not, is, not, is not something that I do and I'm done and I check my box and I'm finished with that. Salvation is something that God began in 1982, but he keeps on saving me every day. <laughs> in fact, God keeps on saving me every seven minutes. Every now and then, I just need to be saved again. And the saving process, James says, is, is facilitated by me receiving with meekness the implanted word and it saves, present tense, my soul. I got saved many, many years ago, but I keep on getting saved. And every now and then I need to be born again, again, because I haven't applied the kingdom to my finances or to my marriage or to my view of people of another race than me. And so when that happens, it doesn't mean I lost my salvation. It just needs, I need, it just means that I need it applied in a new area of my life. So my finances got born again and my work life got born again and my fatherhood got born again. And I learned that fatherhood is not about me, but it's about revealing the nature of a heavenly father to my children and I keep on getting born again. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So it's the word that comes into our life that brings about God's life, God's energy, and God's salvation. We all need to learn how to become people like Mary who our life mantra is simply this, let it be done unto me according to your word. See, you just, you just need to incorporate things like that into your regular prayer life. Lord, today, let it be done unto me according to your word. Lord, today, you say, I, I received a word that my finances were going to improve, that I was going to be blessed, that I was going to get a promotion on my life, and nothing is lining up with that. I see no circumstance that corroborate that. What do you do? You come into the presence of God, and you say, God, I received the implanted word. It's able to save me right now, and I say, let it be done unto me according to my word. Lord, I know you said that healing is my portion, but I'm wrapped up in a hospital room and doctors are saying things about my heart. I never thought that I would hear them say, and I stood with Ed Zinneman in a hospital room and we said, Lord, let it be done unto Ed according to your word. Because in that word is life and energy in that word. And so Jesus says, the seed is the word. Now I'm going to just very simply point out two primary problems that Jesus identifies in his parable and, and, and help us apply those to our life this morning. The first primary problem that I identified in this parable is uh, number one, Jesus says that a, a real problem with this whole project of God sowing his word into the world is that there are people who have no root. There are people who have no root. That's an uh, often overlooked phrase in this parable. And we, we notice that there's rocky ground and stony ground and we pay attention to lots of it. But Jesus says that they had no root in themselves. They had no root in themselves. Now, this isn't a problem of people not receiving the word. So you can't put this off on the people who aren't in church today. 
You can't put this off on the people who think you're, that, that, that you think are not as righteous as you are. <laughs> You've got to realize that these are people who've received the word that Jesus is talking about. And their problem is not that they didn't receive the word. Their problem is that when they received the word, they had no depth in themselves. One of the troubling things about our modern culture and society is that it is extremely shallow. We live in a shallow world that's caught up in arguments and phrases that are very shallow and have no depth to them. But that's not really, really troubling because actually that's how people normally operate. What's especially troubling in the 21st century to me is not that the world is a shallow place, it's that the church is just as shallow as the world. Now I'm going to go ahead and preach in the minutes I have left. I want you to listen to me. The problem with society is not that the society is divisive. It's not that the society is argumentative. It's not that the society can't agree on anything. It's not that the society is shallow and has no depth in themselves. The problem is that the people of God do not provide a contrast to the society in which they live. And so we have a shallow world that's also met with a shallow church and then we have an extra shallow problem. But if we'll hear the words of Jesus, Jesus is saying, I've called my people to be a people of depth, to be a people who have root in themselves. They are not rooted in just what happened last week or what showed up on 24-hour news cycles, but they are rooted in something eternal. They are rooted in something that will never pass away. Their hope and their faith and their confidence and their life is tied to something deeper than the passing trends of a society. And Jesus says that we need to be people who have root in ourselves. You see, the church is always called to create and operate in a different space than the world. Let me help you interact with the world. You're always called to create and operate a different space than the world. So in Paul's day, the world was uh, divided in between Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile, Jew and Gentile, Jew and Gentile. And everything was about the division between Jew and Gentile, Jew and Gentile. And Paul comes along to the Ephesians with the gospel, and he says, here's what the cross does. The cross doesn't make a decision between Jew and Gentile. The cross doesn't get into that space. The cross doesn't enter into that argument. The cross is a Above that argument. The cross is beyond that argument. See, Jews said Gentiles are our enemy, and Gentiles said Jews are our enemy. But Paul brings the cross into this picture, and he doesn't pick one over the other. You would think that Paul would have brought the cross and said, well, the Jews have been God's people for lots and lots of years, but that's not what Paul does. Paul brings the cross, and when he brings the cross, he creates a new space. He creates a space that the world did not know existed before, and Paul's new space is called in Christ. And then Paul says to them, if you're a Jew, it doesn't matter as long as you're in Christ. And if you're a Gentile, it doesn't matter as long as you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then what is common between you is far more important than what is different between you. And there is no more us versus them in Christ. I want to tell you today that what the gospel can do to a world that's broken and divided is it can introduce a power that says there's new space available. There's new creation available. We don't have to live in an us versus them world. We can live in an in Christ world. And so it creates new space. You're not supposed to enter into the space that only the world can imagine. You're supposed to live with prophetic imagination. This is what if God is bigger than that? What if God is bigger than American and Mexican? And what if God is bigger than black and white? And what if God is bigger than Republican and Democrat? And what if God is bigger than all the things that divide us? What if God is bigger than rich and poor? What if God is bigger than this and that? What if God is bigger? And what if we can find new creation space in the gospel so that we can be above and beyond the divisiveness of our world? I want to suggest to you today that we can only do that if we're rooted in something different than the world. Now, in the parable, if you look back in the parable, Jesus says of these people, they had no moisture. They had no moisture. But when he explains the parable, he's talking about the same people, and he says they have no root. I notice this. In, in the parable, he says they had no moisture. But in the explanation... 
He said they have no root. And I kept thinking about that. And I kept, well, it, Jesus, I, I just had a conversation with Jesus. I said, Jesus, now which is it? You've, you've made a mistake here. You have in one place said that they had no moisture. And in another place you've said that they had no root. And as I thought about that, I felt like Jesus was trying to get me to understand that maybe the moisture of my life, which speaks to me about the atmosphere of my life, and maybe Jesus is trying to get me to understand that the strength of my root will always be connected to the vibrancy of the atmosphere I'm living in. In other words, if I feel like my root is drying up, I may not need to pay attention to my root. I might need to pay attention to the atmosphere that I've gotten myself into. Y'all ain't helping me, but I'm going to preach anyway. So what, what the Bible tells us is that when we become people of prayer and worship, prayer and worship release moisture into the atmosphere of our life. So if you feel like your root has begun to dry up, then why don't you start your uh, your your Monday morning with some worship and some prayer rather than with a song bemoaning the fact that someone put sugar in your John Deere and you can't mow your grass. Because what you're surrounding yourself with may be drying up the atmosphere of your life and then when you come receive the word, you get excited, but you don't get transformed. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. I want to get excited. I love the Gate Church. It's an exciting place. I love Bishop Tony Miller, and I get excited every time he preaches. But the goal of me listening to his, his preaching is not for me to get excited. The goal of me listening to his preaching is for me to be transformed. And so we need to be people who live in atmospheres that are characterized by moisture so that our root can go deep. You see, the problem with much of American Christianity is that our roots are not, are not deep. We're rooted in something that happened 13 years ago. That's the, it's, that's the extent of our church history understanding. Benny Hinn held a crusade in Orlando, Florida. Wonderful. But guess what? Before Benny Hinn held a crusade in Orlando, Florida, Jesus was doing lots and lots of stuff. And when you got born again, you didn't just get connected to Benny Hinn and T.D. Jakes. You got connected to the church of Jesus Christ. And it is rooted in something that's far deeper, far longer, far more historical, far more rich than just what's been happening in America in the last 20 years. We need to become people who are rooted in the family of God. God. When you have a rootless society and you have a rootless Christianity, you can, you can root yourself in cultural Christianity. And it's important that you know where you've rooted yourself. It's possible, it's possible to be rooted in cultural Christianity and not be rooted in love. But the Bible says that we're supposed to be rooted in love. Do you guys have that scripture? I got a scripture in my notes about that somewhere. I don't remember where that scripture is, but it's in there. It says we're rooted in love. Somebody say, I'm rooted in love. It's not possible to be rooted in authentic Christianity and not be rooted in love. It's possible to be rooted in cultural Christianity and hate your neighbor because they're not from the same place you are. It's not possible to be rooted in authentic Christianity and hate your neighbor. I got two amens, but I'm going to keep on preaching, Pastor Kathy. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. So what I'm rooted in determines, watch this, I'm either rooted in love or I'm rooted in fear. I'm either rooted in love or I'm rooted in fear. And just in case you're wondering, the world runs on fear. The world runs on fear. That's what the world runs on. That's what the world roots itself in is fear. And because of fear, we work hard. And because of fear, we watch our back. And because of fear, we do this. And because of fear, I have, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Because of fear, we have, sometimes the Holy Spirit just tells me, don't say that. And I just say, okay, I won't say that. And sometimes my wife says, don't say that. And I say, I'm not going to say that. But I am going to say that, watch this. You say, how do I know what I'm rooted in? Let me tell you. Love and generosity is the sign that I'm rooted in love. Generosity is the sign that I'm rooted in love. Anxiety is the sign that I'm rooted in fear. So is my life characterized by generosity or is my life characterized by anxiety? Anxiety. 
I'm preaching good, and it got real quiet in this church. And so when my finances are characterized by generosity, that means I'm rooted in love. When my finances are characterized by anxiety, that means I'm rooted in fear. What do I need to do? I need to reroute myself because God's got a love of fear. God's not a God of fear. God's a God of love. The Bible says God's not giving us a spirit of fear. That means if there's fear in your life, it didn't come from God. That's not what God deals. God doesn't have any currency in fear. He doesn't have any fear seeds that he throws. And so guess what? If he doesn't have fear seeds that he throws, then fear fruit ought not be showing up in my life. If I got fear fruit, I've been receiving seed from the wrong place and I need to go back to the temple and back to the tabernacle and back to the house of God and back to the presence of God and say, so some love up in this heart because perfect love casts out fear and I need to be a person who's rooted in love and operating in generosity and so the second problem that Jesus tells us about is that we have a people who have no root and then the second problem that Jesus tells us about is that we have a world that's full of thorns we have a world that's full of thorns it's a thorny society it's a thorny world. I'm trying to go as quickly as I can. Are you learning anything this morning? A thorny society. Now, when, when we, we, we're blessed, we're blessed because Jesus takes time to explain this parable. Because I, I feign the thought of what we would have imagined that the thorns would be had Jesus not explained this parable to us. I can imagine that we would have come up with all sorts of oogie boogie booger man sins that the thorns are and we just said well the thorns are pornography brother and the thorns are sexual lust and licentiousness <laughs> because the thorns are going to kill your life <laughs> and I'm going to tell you if you don't get that out your life <laughs> then you got to get the thorns out. But Jesus doesn't allow us, our imaginations, to go there, Brother Herb, because Jesus tells us exactly what the thorns are. And I'm surprised at what Jesus identifies as the thorns because Jesus tells me that the thorns are cares. The thorns are cares? What about, what about, like, you know, them nasty sins? Jesus says, no, try cares. The thorns are riches. Now hold up, Jesus. The thorns are pleasures of life. Holy Ghost, we're going to have to have a revival. We might need an altar call. Pleasures of life, riches, and cares. The word cares is a Greek word that literally means distraction. It literally means a divided mind. It literally means a, a, a person who has seed falling into their life. But when the seed falls, I'm preaching to myself right now. The seed falls into their life, they get distracted. They go to Twitter. They go to Instagram. They go to their text thread with their girlfriend and 14 others who are talking about somebody else. And it's not pornography that's killing them. It's distraction and stupid cares of life because they can't become a garden that facilitates the life of God that's being sown into their life because they're constantly looking this way and that and they live a distracted life. And Jesus says that these cares and these pleasures and even the deceitfulness of riches, watch this, can choke out the life of God. Now, I took my time to make sure you understood how powerful the life in the seed is, how powerful the word of God is. But Jesus is telling us something also that in spite of the fact that the word of God is so powerful, we still have to be mindful of the condition of the garden of our heart because even though that seed is so powerful, if we're not careful, there are things that will choke the life of God. God out of our life. Can I tell you that God has spoken innumerable promises to you? God has spoken innumerable words over you. God is incessantly speaking words of life and promise and destiny and purpose over you. And I want to suggest to you that if there is a hindrance in the manifestation of the life of God in my life, it is not a hindrance of the potency of God's word, but it is a hindrance that is determined by the condition of the soil of my soul. 
And so Jesus says that distractions and riches, I, I don't, I can't imagine. I, I, have, I have done a fair amount of study of, of the history of civilizations and societies. I can't imagine that the world has ever seen a society that is more distracted and more obsessed with the deceitfulness of riches than the society that you and I live in today. I can't imagine. And so what does that mean? That means we live in a thorny society. But you know what? That's okay. Because Jesus said, Jesus did not say the people who are in the thorns, they got no chance. He said the people that are in the thorns, if they'll get a root about themselves and they'll go deeper into the planting of their life, then they can still be fruitful. They can still overcome the thorns. They can transcend and outlive and outsurpass the thorns. I've got some plants in the front of my garden and I got some thorny weeds, but some of my plants are so healthy and so strong and they get watered so often that my water bill doubled this month, but they are strong and healthy. And the thorns can't kill the plant because the plant has a root that is well fed enough to overcome the thorn. And all I need to do is get that thorn and pull it out. And it's easy to do because the thorn is not rooted deep. If you've ever pulled a thorny weed out, it's easy to pull it out. But if you get a healthy plant, that sucker's gone deep. Am I doing okay this morning? And so I just believe with all my heart that God wants to bring the gate church, God wants to bring you and your family into a season of unprecedented fruitfulness in your life. As I was praying this week, I said, God, what am I declaring? He said, declare the gate church is going to experience a fruitful fall. You know, I've been praying for you and your family this week that this fall would be an abundantly fruitful fall. But you know how we're going to get there? We're going to get there by rooting ourselves in the word of God. There's some people who need to understand the importance of being rooted in a local church. I just said that. That went straight to the sound man. Bam, right there. No, absolutely no encountering with that until it hit the sound man. Because you know what? A thorny, distracted society will get you to believe that it doesn't matter where you go to church. That you just go to church to get your blessing on and you show up wherever you want to show up. But if you want to be a rooted, fruitful life, you need to say, God, where are you placing me? Where are you calling me? Where are you connecting me? Because it's at that place that I can receive the life of God's goodness in my life. And I need to find out where I've been connected. And I need to root myself there. I'm not making this up. The Bible says they that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of their God. I'm not trying to talk you into being a part of this church. I'm just trying to get you flourishing. Wherever God has planted you, root yourself there. Come on. The worship team can come and just help me conclude here. Watch this. Let me help you. Our society is so thorny that it it tempts us. It tempts us into anxious living. It tempts us into fearful living. I did an experiment this week while I was preparing for this message, and I just looked at the headlines every day on my iPad. I looked at the headlines. And when I looked at the headlines, I looked for fear. And you know what? I found it every day. I found it every day. Maybe this is going to happen. Maybe that is going to happen. Maybe this is going to happen. Maybe that is going to happen. This tumbled. That fell. He's mad. We don't know. They're upset. Something's going to happen. It could be bad. That's all I got all day long. You know what I didn't get? I didn't get anybody saying, everything's going to be all right because God's in control and you're a child of God. I had to go to the Bible to find that. I couldn't find that in the newspaper. Because this society is trying to get me to be anxious. Watch this. Every moment that I spend in anxiety and worry. Watch this. Watch this. Every moment. See, see your life, I wish, this has been so revelatory to me. Your life is really all about what you're participating in. And God gives us that privilege. And so you can participate in salvation. And you can participate in the life of God. Or you can participate in another spirit. And so your life is really about what you're participating in. And watch this. When every moment that I spend in anxiety, watch this. I feed the beast 
that suffocates the life out of the promises of God over my life. And I've come to believe that it's really up to me. What am I participating in? What am I participating in? And when I participate in anxiety, anxious living, and fear, then I add fuel to the beast that's seeking to choke out the life of God's promises over my life. But when I participate in God's life and what God is saying, and I say, God, I want to echo what you're saying over my life. I'm going to put the newspaper down. I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm going to get in the presence of God and say, I am a child of God. I am a person of purpose. I am going to bear fruit. My children are going to be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. I'm not going to pay attention to the news reports. I'm not going to be in fear. My child gets on the bus. I'm not going to say, what if a shooter shows up? What if something goes wrong? What if there's child molesters? I'm going to say, what does God say? And God says, he's watching over me. God says, he's got my back. God says, I can live in love. And when I do that, then I participate in and I feed the spirit of God that brings life and energy to me. And I want you this fall to stop feeding that anxious, fearful spirit and start start feeding the spirit of love and peace. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I'm going to have them throw a couple of verses of promise over you. Guys, if you've got Psalm 80 back there, Psalm 80 and verse number 7. As I was preparing, I just felt the Lord just have me just end our service today by by us reading and declaring this over ourselves today. So I want you to do that. I want you to hear the word of the Lord to you. Psalm uh, chapter 80 and verse number 7. Watch this. Pastor Kathy, I believe God's saying this to the gate church. I believe he's saying this to families today. I believe he's saying it to marriages. Watch this. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine. And we shall be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. And you've cast out the nations. And planted it. You prepared room for it. And you caused it to take deep root. And it filled the land. Can I tell you that God's making room for you. God's clearing out some space for your luscious garden of your life. God's saying, I got some more seed I want to sow into your life. But God's getting down in there with you and saying, let's clear out some space. Let's clear out some thorns and some rocks. Let's create a space of a, of a nurtured and moist and loving heart so that when those seeds hit, they can be transformative. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 8 Jeremiah 17 and verse number 8 says, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river, and will not fear. Do you see that? Do you see that? When you spread your roots out by the river, you don't have to fear. You're either rooted in love or you're rooted in fear. When heat comes, your life's not supposed to be determined by the circumstances and the changing seasons of life. If the economy takes a, takes a hit, you're not supposed to flip out. But its leaf will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. Listen to me. Those promises contain the life and the energy of God in them for you today. I want you to receive them with meekness of heart. And I want you to say, God, just slowly, incrementally, deliver me from fear. Deliver me from anxiety. Help me start cutting the thorns out of my life so that these seeds of promise can bear fruit in my life. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. We're going to conclude in just a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord in worship. Our team's going to lead us. But here's what I want to do before we do that. I want to, and I didn't really plan this this way. The Lord put this word in my heart, and then I realized that we were going to receive our Heart for the House offering for this month, uh, this Sunday. And so I just want you to make a part of your response to this word. 
And when the Lord spoke to me, and, and one of the clearest things that the Lord said, I wish I could explain to you how putting a message together works for preachers sometimes, but there are certain things that God says to you so clearly. And God gave me those phrases about uh, anxiety and generosity. I've never mentioned that in a message in all my life. And I know that God spoke to me that because I believe that there are some people today that you're going to make a shift out of anxiety and into generosity. And when you do that, you're going to root yourself in something far greater than the world has to offer today. So all I want you to do is just obey whatever you feel like God's leading you to do. What we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity. If you guys can put up on the screen the different ways to give, I want you to begin to prepare your offering. And then in just a minute, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask these guys to lead us in worship. And I'm going to invite you just to bring those offerings down front as an offering to the Lord and say, God, today... I'm responding to what you said to me, not only by singing, but also by giving and saying, God, I'm committed. I'm connected. Those of you that are rooted at the Gate Church, it's part of our family commitment to say, hey, I'm believing God that all year long I'm going to be able to give over and above. And so once a month, we're just taking an opportunity to say, hey, let's move further into what God's called us to do. You see, I believe if we respond to that, I believe that this fall is going to be so incredibly fruitful. I believe family members and people are going to come to Christ. Things are going to happen. It's going to be amazing fruit. We get to determine how fruitful we are by how well we steward our root. And so I want you to do that with me this morning. If you're ready to give, just get your offering ready. Why don't you stand to your feet while you're doing that? Come on, Ashley, just sing, sing a little bit for us and then we'll pray. Just let's lift our voice. Come on, that's where we're rooted. Yeah, 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 yeah. you just turn your hands to heaven right now? Let me just pray for you before we go. Father, I thank you right now that in this moment, God, in a personal way, that you by your spirit would come right now. Would you bring moisture to the atmosphere of our lives? Lord, would you help us to shift from fear to love and from anxiety to generosity? Lord, would we be a rooted people that are rooted in love and rooted in Christ today? And I pray that as we do that, God, that you will uh, do things in our lives that yield fruit for months and months and years to come. I pray that for my brothers and sisters this morning. I release it to them. And Lord, as we get ready to act out our generosity by 